Welcome to the Small Business Big Life Podcast. My name is Derek Van Ness, and I'm a lead wealth strategist and founder at Big Life Financial, where we use innovative tax and financial strategies to help business owners keep more of the money they make and be a whole lot smarter at growing it. We believe every person has something unique and valuable to bring to the world, but far too often money stops them from sharing those gifts. We're here to fix that problem by helping people get money out of the way so they can unleash their full potential on the world. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll even reveal how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet. So let's get this thing started now. Well, welcome, 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 everybody. It is I, Derek Van Ness, here again with another episode of the Small Business Big Life Podcast. And I'm super excited today because we're going to be talking with uh, today's guest, Ali Olson, about a really hot topic for a lot of people. If you've ever been in in the situation that she's she helps people figure out, uh, she is with give away my or give up my timeshare, and she's going to tell us a lot about building that business, but also all the things that go with that industry. Because I know for a lot of people that's a hot topic. So, Ali, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you here because. Truthfully, there's not that much I know about this industry, and I'm I'm really interested to hear how you've been able to build a business in this industry, and and you know what the unique challenges and things are there. Because I think some people love timeshares, and some people think that they're a scam, and there's a million things in between. And you guys probably have to deal with a lot of things that a lot of industries don't. So this is going to be cool. Oh, definitely, yes. This is a very unique industry. It has very specific um, sets of information that very few people know how to actually, you know, navigate uh, the different timeshare companies, their different processes. And so it's always a fun learning curve um, every day, processes changing. And, um, and that's one of my favorite things about it. Super cool. So before we jump into this, why don't you give us just like the, the 30 to 60 second introduction of who you are as a human being, what you guys do, and maybe just a little about yourself and how people can connect with you online if they love all the things you're going to share today. Sure. So I grew up in Sedona, Arizona, and um, ended up going towards the tourism industry, which it was, of course, the main industry of the town, having only 60,000 residents and 3 million tourists a year. So I um, found myself in the timeshare industry, starting out in sales, ended up going into management consulting, script writing, all kinds of things, podium speaking. And, and I really loved it very much originally because it was, you know, just helping people to make memories with the people that they love and have a tool for doing that. As time passed and technology came into play and it became easier for travelers to book condos and, you know, apartments, homes, have the accommodations that timeshares offered, um, you know, at the drop of a hat online for this weekend with a lot more simplicity and no ongoing obligation. Um, you know, it just became that consumers and existing owners of Timeshare had started to shift in their mindset and no longer enjoy the product uh, as much as they had at one time. So that's where I started to think, you know what, okay, I want to get on the other side of this. I think it's nuts that anyone would own something they can't get rid of. And so that's kind of the battle we fight every day is finding a proper legal, um, you know, way for people out of Timeshares with integrity to the industry as well. Very cool. And if people are interested in this, like if I'm driving down the street and I'm like, you know, I need to know more about this. How do people connect with you, Allie? 
So our website, Give Up My Timeshare, has a webinar which covers our whole process. It's about a 20-minute webinar. I think that's a great place to start, even if you're just thinking, okay, maybe someday I want to do something with this timeshare. What are my choices? What if I want to keep it? it it's just a great educational resource to kind of get a grasp of what the options are. What are the legal options? How can you maximize an ownership? And how can you get out of it without any risk? And that's kind of the key these days with the amount of fraud that we've seen in the timeshare industry to make sure first and foremost that you know you're going down an avenue for dissolution that doesn't involve any risk. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely want to dig into some of that. Uh, but before we do that, I always like to start by asking the question, you know, you've been through the trenches, you've seen a lot of different things it sounds like over your career. If you were going to give a piece of advice to someone out there, a business owner, um, what would you say to them that's been super useful or helpful to you or that you figured out along the way? You know, especially with the startup environment being so popular and so cool now, everyone mm-hmm. wants to start something and it's very glamorous to have all these meetings about what you're going to meet about. You know, I <laughs> phrase meetings about meetings. And my number one piece of advice would be to just start where you are to look at, you know, where am I right now? Where are we wanting to end up? And what does it look like in the middle? And then get going, you know, stop talking about doing things and start where you are. What can you do to get some water through the pipes? Because until you have some transactions going, you're not going to really know a, you know, is there a market for this? Is there an appetite for it? Something Mm -hmm. that's a great idea at lunch every day, but you know, in practice, does anyone bite? And then you'll start to see where your processes need to be refined through actually doing rather than just talking about it. So that's my number one piece of advice is get going, do something. Don't just talk about it. Wow. You have to take action to start a business. <laughs> what, <laughs> what a novel concept, but I see exactly what you're talking about every day. So that's, that's super cool. So, so tell me a little bit about, um, about you and kind of you, you said, I want to get on the other side of this thing. I want to be able to help people, uh, you know, who are in a situation they don't want to be in, like that's a big, that's a big cookie to bite into, right? Like there's a lot of, I would guess, legal ramifications and different things. How do you even go about like getting set up? Say someone's in an industry that has some legalities or where you're really going to be, you know, going to bat for people. How do how do you get started in something like that? So for myself, the experience was I had a past client come back to me who was terminally ill, had bought lots of timeshares. I think he had like almost 30 of them and had enjoyed them a lot. He and his son traveled the world scuba diving and that's pretty much all that they they did. He was retired. They loved to travel together. When he became terminally ill, he realized his son wasn't going to want to do that without him and he wanted to divest himself of all the timeshares. Mm-hmm. Pass on that liability. So I thought it would be and this is how, you know, a lot of great ideas are stumbled upon, right? You're looking for a solution when you don't find one. It's like, aha, there's there's something here. So I was did a quick Google search and was just looking to find, you know, a company to refer him to. And I was so surprised as I did that, you know, being from sales and writing sales scripts, um, I, I felt very sensitive to the amount of sales process that all of these companies that I was trying to look up for him were putting me through. I couldn't get a straight answer about their process or their pricing or anything Mm. like that. It was all this, you know, trying to launch right into a sales discovery with me. And I really had kind of thought that getting out of a timeshare would be more of a professional service than another sales pitch. 
And that's where I kind of saw, okay, so there's an opportunity here. Again, back to what we were just saying with the getting started. I said to him, you know what? I can't find a company I would feel comfortable referring, you know, you to. Let me check out if there's some title companies and we can find, you know, a a buyer or something. And and so I just got started and Mm -hmm. tried to just move forward with a couple transactions and see, can I help this person? You know, and this was just exploratory at that point. And what I found was that it followed actually a pretty similar process to any real estate transaction. It goes through Mm -hmm. and you find a buyer, you go through an escrow and, you know, that you can create a secure process because the whole intention wasn't to start a business. It was just to help out a past client um, in a legitimate way. And so I I think, you know, when starting a business, if you're you're looking to, to, if you're recognizing a need in an industry that you're in Mm -hmm. and you want to fill that need, you've got to just kind of start stumbling through a first transaction or something, just exploratory, see what you can actually do and and where the roadblocks are and be excited to find the roadblocks. You know, it's like when you come across, you know, a little bit of resistance, it's like, okay, I'm onto something rather than seeing like, oh gosh, there's a problem. We can't do it. So there's a solution that, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. And, you know, you just keep going and, and searching and peeling back the onion until you find uh, what your competitors haven't. Well, what I find interesting about what you're saying, Ali, is you really were coming at it from the intention of service, right? I want to serve a client. What I find is when people are chasing money, especially early in their career, when they hit those roadblocks, they're like, this isn't worth it. I don't want to do this. This is way harder than I thought. When you're serving someone, it's like, wow, this really is a problem. I really need to help this person. This is something we need to figure out. It's a completely different approach. And so I, you know, I want to commend you because I think that uh, a lot of people, if they're just in it for themselves and they're not really looking to contribute or create value in the world, they, they just miss that opportunity, right? We had a, a similar situation where, you know, we do a lot of financial strategy, but we had a lot of clients who had tax problems and like, I didn't want to learn about taxes, right? But my clients needed it so bad that like you said, I started stumbling through and I had to get through some of those roadblocks and find the right people who knew the solutions because my clients needed it. And it drove me. And honestly, that's a much bigger part of our business now, even than the financial strategy side for the exact same reason, just trying to help a client. And I think the bigger principle there is, you know, if, if you just pay attention to clients' needs, they will lead you where you need to go, right? So it looks like you wanted to add something to that. Oh, yeah. I, I was just you know, thinking that that's so, so true. If you kind of just go with the flow with your business a little bit and see where the need is and, and lean into where there is business, where there is need and kind of get out of the ego of, okay, I think I can make it work this way. Uh-huh. And kind of go with what is happening naturally. It will, you know, just really take off. That's been something that's happened for us since about October. Just oddly enough, our business has taken, you know, an, another kind of turn where now we're servicing a lot of other exit companies' transactions. Hmm. And, you know, I never would have suspected that that would be something we'd be interested in or would be asked to do or that would become, you know, a lot of where, you know, we're really making money. And so it, it it's kind of funny how things can just, just turn. And if you, you know, come at it with an open mind, and look at, okay, how can I, you know, again, how can I serve? How can I help? And, and just follow that. Then it does kind of lead you in fun different ways. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, especially with technological changes and the way the world's changing right now, like you're saying to be 
in the flow of what's actually happening in your industry is so important. Um, I've probably said this before on the show, but one of the quotes that I found so profound in the last couple of years is the, the people were asking Jeff Bezos, the fam- founder of Amazon, like you're in this technology company and there's all these changes in technology and everything's changing so quickly. How do you expect to keep up with that and be an industry leader? And he looked at the guy and he said, we're not building Amazon around what changes. We're building Amazon around what stays the same. People want products and they want them quickly and easily and affordably and brought right to their door. That's not changing. How all the platforms go, that's fine. Um, And so there's the same thing. Like in your industry, people are always going to have a need to like life changes, right? And that's never going to change that people get curveballs or people change their mind or, or whatever. So if you can build your business around that, not on, I need to use this square peg to solve everybody's round hole problem. Uh, life gets a lot simpler and, and we aren't so stuck. So I, I love that you guys have been able to do that. So maybe just share with me, Allie, like what are, what are one or two of the key problems you've had to figure out in order to make this business work? So I'm sure between COVID and technology and all the different changes with Airbnb and other types of services like that, maybe pick a problem that you guys have run up against and how you, how you tackled that. Sure. So the first one that comes to mind was a huge problem uh, when COVID hit, which was that our marketing plan at that time, our customer acquisition was primarily through seminars, live seminars, Mm. where we're actually going out with a team uh, and presenting at 55 plus communities invited by the HOA and, you know, doing a seminar and then clients would sign up with us. And so, you know, we had 40 seminars scheduled just for <laughs> May that had to be canceled. A lot of investment into the marketing for those seminars, the room rentals, you know, all of the flyers and all this stuff. So um, we had a significant investment there and they all had to be canceled. So an immediate pivot had to happen to recapture those leads and to kind of, you know, get a return at least on the investment that we had made into all of those marketing efforts. So what we did is, you know, kind of quickly it was like, well, we've got to get the message out. Let's just record the seminar. And I'm so yeah. grateful in a way, looking back, I think COVID really pushed us to grow in that way. I would still be, you know, looking at a future of traveling every other week, doing all these seminars, seminars, seminars. And, you know, it makes me think of the name of, you know, your podcast. It's given me a bigger life to work in a more, um, you know, remote fashion. Sure. More widely as well. So we recorded a webinar that's allowed us to have a better year than we would have ever had with seminars alone. And, um, you know, just get the message out to people nationwide, not having to just, uh, you know, talk to people who are in the room we're showing up to. So that's been a massive change. And, you know, again, when you come up on trouble, look at it as a blessing because there's some kind of opportunity there for growth. And we don't always know what that's going to look like. Um, but it can, you know, sometimes if you lean into it, really benefit you a lot. And I'm seeing that, you know, in my personal life, I was able to, for example, last uh, July and August, go on a six week road trip through 15 national parks uh, rather than, and you know, work on my, the picnic table, uh, you know, outside the cabin uh-huh. in the morning and stuff. And uh, rather than being in Florida doing seminars in the summer. So, you know, it, <laughs> It definitely enhanced life. So that's one example of, you know, a change that uh, had to be made and just a pivot and flexibility. Another thing I would say that we've really had to, uh, you know, just constantly be in a state of flow with is, 
you know, how to actually handle dealing with these timeshares because you, the old model was, you know, for many exit companies was to just take them on, stick them in some LLC, default on them. And then, you know, they're really harming the resorts and the HOAs, which has caused a fight from the industry against the exit companies. And part of our goal is to reform that and to create a situation that has integrity to the client. So they're really getting out of it and long term because the ownerships are having the maintenance fees paid. There is an actual repurpose of that ownership. So we've had to look at lots of different ways to utilize them from doing our own vacation rentals to partnering with travel clubs to sell them to, you know, working with industry aggregates that source buyers on, you know, a large scale. And so that's just where it's a constant change and constant learning and we're, you know, just staying at it every day, always thinking that there is going to be some other solution to it, not just staying where we're comfortable. Well, you know, I just think it's so great, Allie, that you guys are creating a solution that, that really works for both sides, right? As opposed to taking the litigious, let's just take them to court and fight this thing out. Or like you said, defaulting and leave someone holding the bag. We're really finding a, a need for who wants these things and how do we place them there? And how do we do that in a way that, like you said, doesn't harm the industry because, you know, every industry has got its own challenges anyway. So who needs to be creating more? And I'll be honest with you, like just to live in a litigious world would be a really tough way to live, right? Definitely. I've seen, you know, a lot of competitors that were, you know, existed three years ago that are gone now because they failed to look for a solution that honored both sides. You know, they're either just taking people's money, not getting them out of it or hurting the resorts. And if you can find that harmony in whatever you're doing, where you're Mm -hmm. not hurting anybody to make a penny, you know, that's, that's kind of for me being from Sedona also just energetically get a little woo woo at times, you know, but I think that that's just important. You can't base a business on harming someone else's business. You can't build that. And, you know, there's, there's other ways around it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think in, it's it's all in the approach. I mean, certainly people have tried to build and have successfully built businesses that way, but it is not necessarily what's all good in the world. It's definitely a big part of what's what's not working in the world, in my opinion. And I do think, truly, when we're talking about audiences and who you serve, people are looking for a way to stay in integrity, right? When they're in tough situations, people don't just, I mean, people do go into survival mode and good people do bad things. But I think they usually do that when they feel like they don't have any good ethical options, right? So if you can help people to stay on the ethical side of things, you're you're doing a huge service to to them and to the industry. And I'm I'm sure that the buyers of these things are happy. And you know, it's it's pretty cool that you've you've been able to do that. And we're avoiding being sued because of that, you know. And so that's what we've seen is our competitors just knocked out because they, you know, were for whatever reason turning off the industry. And so uh, you know, that's, that's for long-term survival. I think that's really necessary. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. So let me ask you this. A lot of business owners, you know, they feel a little bit like being a business owner is lo- lonely at the top. And, and sometimes you don't always have a peer group, especially it sounds like you're to some extent pioneering the approach that you have in the industry. How do you stay motivated, connected, you know, growing in a way that's, uh, that's working for you? Because I know a lot of people struggle with that, especially during COVID. They feel really isolated. How how have you dealt with that? Well, I'm very excited because today's Wednesday. Uh And, uh, you know, so I have a working Wednesday that I do with a peer group 
um, all female business owners that are from different industries. And we've just been friends for a long time, but it kind of turned into uh, sort of just getting together, you know, have a glass of wine, chat about problems that we're facing, you know, what we're excited about, and just kind of re-motivate. I think who you surround yourself is so important. And you need to have, you know, friends and colleagues that you look up to. I really like to surround myself with people that are from totally different industries and, uh, you know, that are ambitious and that are motivated and that are trying to do good in the world. So that's, that's, I think the most centering thing for me is, you know, it's really two things, hiking, getting outside in nature and, um, you know, getting centered in myself and then having really great friends um, that, are also looking to make a difference and to be the best at what they do. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. Having the right people around you that you can bounce ideas off of, talk through things with, share common experiences, learn from is, it's just super enriching. So, and I, I do love the nature thing too. I live in Utah and we've got some pretty good nature here. So uh, I try to get out on a regular basis and, and do that too. So love it. Well, um, so something that I like to do on the show to, uh, to give everyone a voice is uh, I do this segment I call Say What You Need to Say. And so I want to give you 30, 60, 90 seconds, Allie, to say anything you want to say, whether it's around timeshares or not, uh, something that you, you think the audience might benefit from or that you just feel like you want to say. But I'd love to give you just a sec to say anything that you think uh, needs to be said. Oh, thank you. So I would just love to share that, you know, if you own a timeshare and you are either at the beginning of the process of wondering what are you going to do with it, worrying about planning, you know, for your estate uh, or just not happy with how it works any longer to, you know, visit our website, giveupmytimeshare.com, watch the webinar, educate yourself with that video and reach out to us if you'd like us to assist you. What really sets our company apart is that we're the only ones that don't take any kind of a deposit, no payment up front. It's a completely risk-free transaction. It follows a normal real estate process where it's an open escrow. Funds are paid to a title company at closing. And, uh, you know, that's what's really, you know, made us unique that there is no risk for the client. And it's been intentionally designed that way, both to motivate us to get the deals closed as quickly as possible, to move them through fast. That business model has made us the best. And, uh, you know, also because I don't believe that the client should have any risk in a professional service. So love to help anyone out there who even just has questions about it. Yeah, I, I love that, that you guys have really gone to transparency and you've kind of put the onus to earn the dollars on yourself as opposed to putting, like you said, the, the risk on the client. And if you drag your feet, oh, well, right, that, that really incentivizes the team. So Super cool to have you on. I think you're doing a, a tremendous service. And I think this is the type of thing that we like to exemplify because it's a model for like better ways to do business, right? There was already established industry. You guys have come in really taking it to the next level ethically and, and, and doing good things. So I just, I really appreciate you being on the show and sharing with us how you've done that. Thank you so much for having me. It was really fun chatting. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Life Show. If you're a six or seven figure business owner who'd like to be on the show, we'd love to talk about it. Just visit biglifefinancial.com slash guest to get the ball rolling. And if you heard something you loved on the show today, don't be shy about sharing it. And if you do, be sure to use the hashtag smallbusinessbiglife so we can see that you're sharing the love. And heck, if we swoon over your post, we might even pass it on to our many thousands of followers 
to help share the love and the spotlight with you. Speaking of love, if you like today's show, be sure to hit that subscribe button. You know why? Because then you'll never miss another episode and you can get all the motivation, inspiration, and insights with every new episode. Also, if you want to see everything else we're up to on YouTube, social media, or even in real life, you can always visit us at biglifefinancial.com. Well, that's it for today. My name's Derek Venes, and I want to personally thank you for being a part of the small business Big Life movement. Now get out there, create more than you consume, love people more than you need to, and believe in magic because yes, it does exist.